Money Pit is brought to you by Lumber Liquidators, Perk, DIYs, Greenworks, Dynatrap, and Isonine. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And happy Earth Day. Can you believe it's a Earth Day weekend, Leslie? It actually hit on a Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> well, it's the best time to actually get stuff done for Earth Day is on the actual Earth Day. So it worked out great. Absolutely. So if you've got an earth-friendly home improvement project you'd like to tackle, now would be a great time to reach out to us at 888-MONEYPIT or online at the Money Pit's brand spanking new community at moneypit.com. Just click on community and post your question there. We've got a great show coming up with Earth Day in mind, starting with the fact that with every breath you take, you might very well be inhaling not only clean, fresh air, but VOCs that can affect your health. We're going to have some tips to help improve the air you breathe inside your home. And also ahead, wouldn't it be cool if while you're driving back home from work, a trip or an errand, your home knew when you were getting close and could adjust the AC or heat automatically to exactly where you like it? Well, that technology is called geofencing and it exists today in thermostats. We'll tell you more just ahead. And few home improvements bring more beauty and value to home than adding a solid hardwood floor. We'll have tips on advances in hardwood flooring that make this product easier than ever to install. And if you call us with your home improvement question at one eight 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 Money Pit, you'll have the chance to win Dyna traps, mosquito and insect traps. They are completely non toxic and can be used both indoors and out. So give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win at one eight 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 Money Pit. Luke in Kansas, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? We recently uh, just bought a, a limestone house, and the previous owners had completely remodeled everything. Um, and, you know, with new plumbing, new electrical, you know, new windows, new, pretty much new everything. Um, the only thing that they didn't do to this house was the heat and air conditioning units. And the unique thing about this house is, the upstairs and the downstairs are both heat, heated and cooled with two different units. The upstairs unit is an 84 model, and the downstairs unit is a 90, 93 model. And what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to take those completely out and, you know, kind of make it more efficient. But I don't know really where, really what to do or where to go or how, you know, what should I do. Okay, so first of all, are you, when you say more efficient, you, you want to remove these heating systems now and make it a single zone? Is that what you want to do? You know, since each of the floors are individually heat, you know, heated and cooled, I didn't know whether I should take those completely out and, you know, put two brand-new heating and cooling units in or if I should try to make the whole house, you know, just yeah, no, you, you should or... definitely leave the two zone because it actually is a, is a much more desirable way and, frankly, a more efficient way because typically when you have one heating system, you know, it, it's always like the upstairs is a little warmer than you want it to be or the downstairs is a little colder than you want it to be. I mean, never even if it's reasonably well-balanced, you still get these inconsistencies based on weather conditions and wind. Having two zones, having two separate pieces of, of equipment running this is definitely the way to go. Now I'm sorry. Did you say this was this was uh, forced air, gas fired? Is that what it is, or what kind of uh, no, fuel? No, it's central heat and air. Central heat and air for both. No, I understand that, but what's your fuel? Is it electric oh, heat? Is um, it gas natural heat? Ga- 
Natural, natural gas. gas. Okay. Yeah, perfect. So you have two compressors, you have two furnaces. Um, if you want to update those, certainly go ahead and do that. Make sure you're putting in high efficiency energy star qualified units. And, uh, you know, you don't have to do them both at the same time. You might want to do that 84 unit first from uh, 1984 first. Okay. Okay. Um, the other question is, is do I need to change any of the ductwork for that? Nope, probably not. No, what you have to change is you have to change the outside compressor and the inside furnace and the evaporator coil, which is attached to it at the same time, because when it comes to air conditioning, the evaporator coil has to match the compressor outside. Okay. So if it doesn't match, then it's not going to, uh, to be as efficient. What kind of efficient... Should I go like a 90%, 95%? I would say to get as, get the most efficiency you can afford. But but remember that, you know, if you're going to be there a short term, you may never get the payback on it. If you're going to be there long term, chances are you might. So you have to really identify what the most important, you know, outcome of this is. You know, if you're in a house that's going to be there for five years because you're expecting to move or to transfer or whatever, I probably, frankly, wouldn't put in the very most expensive unit because I'm never going to get the payback on that. But if it's something where this is the house that I'm going to be in for the next 20 plus years, then maybe I would. So make the determination, but just keep those numbers in mind. Okay. And what about uh, thermostats? I, there's digital thermostats right now, but should I just, since I'm replacing everything, should I just go ahead and replace the thermostats too? Just I would. To- not that you not that you have to replace that as a control mechanism, but there's so many so many uh, advantages to new thermostats today. You know, they're Wi-Fi um, enabled, and so you can operate them kind of as a remote control. Whether you're sitting on the couch or you're you know you're away, uh, you know, driving home from work. You can have thermostats that are geofenced today, which means you choose the perfect temperature setting for when for when you get in that house. And as you're approaching your house because you're out in an airing or or uh, you know coming home from work, and you could set it so that hey, when I get 10 miles from my house, I want the heat to be this, or I want the air conditioning to be that, so that when you walk in the door, it's perfect. I mean, it's pretty cool what you can do with thermostats today. So I think if you're going to go for it and replace these uh, heating systems, I would definitely replace my thermostats at the same time. Okay. All right. All right. Hey, thank you very much. Appreciate You're welcome. That, good luck. Uh, that gives me a that gives me a, a good idea of where I need to start now. So. Perfect. Well, we're glad we could help you out. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Now we've got Diane from Rhode Island on the line with a basement issue. What is going on at your Money Pit? Hi, I have a house. It was built in nineteen forty five, and in my basement, the cement walls, and it looks like once upon a time they were painted white. And the bottom half of the walls, which are below the ground level, it crumbles and it leaves a lot of sediment. And I can see through to the like big pe- things of pebbles in the wall. So the reason that the bottom half of the wall is deteriorating is probably because of moisture. What are these walls made out of? Are they made out of concrete or concrete block or cinder block? Um, concrete. There's no block. There's no block. It's concrete. All right. So I think what's happening here is you're getting water that's leaking um, through the lower half of the walls. And you're probably getting efflorescence. You could be getting some spalling, depending on the temperatures, that could be causing some of the wall to freeze and then basically chip off pieces of the concrete. So what I would do in this case is I would start by trying to reduce the amount of moisture that's collecting in that wall by addressing the drainage conditions right outside of it. Generally speaking, this is caused by one of two things, or more commonly a combination of the angle of the soil at the foundation perimeter. If it's too flat, if it's sloped into the house, if there's any kind 
kind of like uh, landscaping tile ties or brick edges or, or too much mulch. Any of those conditions that are holding water around the foundation is a bad thing. And more importantly, the gutter system. Make sure you have gutters, that the gutters are extended at least four to six feet from the house. If you can keep that perimeter of your house drier, um, this problem will definitely stabilize. Okay. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call with your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, with every breath you take, you might be inhaling not only clean, fresh air, but also VOCs that can affect your health. We'll have tips to avoid VOCs in your home after this. You live in a Money Pit. making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. You'll get the answer to your home improvement question. Plus, this hour, we're going to keep you mosquito-free because we're giving away the Dynatrap Mosquito and Insect Trap. I got one of these last summer and absolutely loved it. It protects up to a half acre. It's going to guard your family and your pets from any of those nuisance insects that might bite and spread disease. The way it works is it actually produces CO2, which is actually an irresistible attractant because it smells like you, but it does that through a chemical reaction. So there's no lures that are involved or attractants that are required. It's non-toxic. It's available at Bed Bath & Beyond, but we've got one going out to one lucky caller at 888 Pit. You can check it out at Dynatrap.com. All right, Joyce Missouri is on the line next with smoke damage. What is going on at your money pit? Hi, I have a ceiling that got a bit of smoke damage from a propane fireplace. So I don't want to paint and have it bleed back through and then have to go paint again. Painting is a big enough job. I want to do it where it will stay white and not bleed through. So my question is, do I need to seal it, wash it? What do I need to do before I paint it? If you've got smoke damage, generally what is done? And that, you know, are you seeing like yellow stains? Is that what you're seeing? Is it all over? Is it in a spot? No, it, 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 it's a smoky color. All right. So because it's a soot and the soot can tend to feel like a little bit oily or greasy, depending on what you were burning, I guess it's from the propane, um, you might want to clean it a little bit first with TSP. You can find that in the paint center in the painting aisle. It's called trisodium phosphate. And you mix that up and you can make it sort of a thicker consistency. And you want to wash those areas. See if you can get some of that soot off first. And then once that's all dry, you're going to want to prime that wall and prime the entire wall. And you can use an oil-based primer that does tend to seal in those stains a little bit better and any sort of you know smoky odor that might have been there from whatever the damage was. And then once that's dry, you can go ahead and put a latex paint over it. That'll give you the color and that'll you know ensure good adhesion of the paint to the primer to the wall. And hopefully then, if you've done a good job of sort of trying to clear away the extra soot and the stain and then sealing it with the primer, that shouldn't bleed through. So that really does the trick. Okay. That helps me a bunch because I didn't want to have to redo once I've already done it. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thank you very much. Y'all have a wonderful day. 
Jeff in South Carolina is dealing with some unwanted visitors to their money pit. Tell us what's going on. I have a couple of feral cats that are running around in my backyard. I have a bird bath, and the cats stalk the bird bath, and when the birds come in to take a drink and a splash, they jump up and they kill the bird. And what I've done is I've poured the water out of the bird bath to keep the birds away, but how do I get rid of the cats? I mean, there's a lot of initiatives around the country with um, organizations that will um, help deal with the feral cat issue. Uh, many of them run what's called a TNR program, which is Trap, Neuter, and Return. So the idea is that they trap the cats uh, humanely, like with a have a heart trap or something like that. They neuter them, then they return them to the environment, but hopefully not in your neighborhood where they're, they're used to finding that source of food. And so I would turn to an organization like that that can help you trap the cats and get them off of your property. And if they have the added support that they can neuter the cats, and that helps the overall community uh, from uh, stopping these cats from reproducing. And you know what else? Um, we had an issue years ago when there's a person on our block who you know feeds every cat in town and has about like 30 cats and kittens just living in their backyard. And the neighbor next door was doing a ton of work. There was a dumpster with like food scraps and stuff in it. And so all the cats kind of just meandered into my yard. And I had called the village because... I mean, honestly, I didn't mind the cats being there, but they were killing like a possum. And now all of a sudden I had to clean up a dead possum and birds. And, you know, I really don't want to be doing that. So I called the village and the village referred me to the town. So long story short, I made a bunch of calls to finally get to someone in the county who told me that where I live, feral cats have the same rights as squirrels, which means you can do nothing about them. But if you do find a local cat rescue, they might be willing to come and help you, you know, take the cats, find them, you know, a place to be adopted by. And, you know, maybe if you find a place that you feel comfortable with, you know, a donation might not hurt in helping them to get the cats off your property. So you never know. I might, you know, make a call to your town or your village and see where that goes too. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, many products in our homes can contain VOCs, which stands for volatile organic compounds, and that can impact your health. Now, VOCs are tough to completely eliminate, but not so tough to reduce your exposure to, if you know where to look. Now, we've got some tips to improve your indoor air environment presented by Isonine Spray Foam Insulation. So let's start at the beginning, shall we? I mean, what products exactly do contain VOCs? Well, Unfortunately, the answer is a lot. I mean, ingredients in hundreds of household products that you use every day, from insulation to air fresheners to cleaning solutions to paint, can all contain those VOCs, which have been linked to health problems from headaches to asthma or worse. So it really makes sense to try to keep your exposure to a minimum. Now, here's one trick. When it comes to household chemicals, you want to avoid buying them in bulk. Stored chemicals can be a big source of VOCs, even if that container has never been opened. So whenever possible, you want to look for those low VOC versions of products. There are more and more green versions of products coming on the market every day, and they're quickly becoming the norm, meaning that they won't cost much more than the original formulation. And also, keep the super smelly stuff outside. Kind of common sense, but products like paint thinners and pesticides and gas cans are all big sources of VOCs. So the farther they are from your living space, the better. And you also want to trust your nose. If you're taking on a project like painting and the odors are strong, 
ventilate, ventilate, ventilate. I mean, even leaving windows open for a couple of hours if you can after that project is complete. And lastly, check for Green Guard certification. Now, Green Guard certification makes sure that a product has met some of the world's most rigorous and comprehensive standards when it comes to low emissions of those volatile organic compounds or VOCs that get into indoor air. Today's tip was presented by Isonine Classic Max Spray Foam Insulation. Isonine Classic Max is a high-performance, ultra-low VOC, open-cell spray foam insulation product that provides both insulating R-value as well as air sealing to maximize energy efficiency and the comfort of your home. It's also Green Guard Gold certified, which allows you to reoccupy your home just two hours after application. Isonine is the leading brand of insulation and has insulated over 600,000 homes since 1986. Learn more at Isonine.com. Kimberly in Delaware is on the line with an interesting question. I'm reading your bath mats got melted to the floor. How did that happen? No, I clean houses for a living and I want to clean a house. And the lady asked me if I can get it up, and she said it's been there for two years. What? Wow. Stuck to the floor, huh? Hmm. No, to the ba- inside the bathtub. It oh, melted the bathtub. In, into inside the bathtub. And she, and you couldn't get it up? You couldn't pull it off? No. 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 I tried. It's stuck there. It's like cement. I'm thinking it might be glued in place and not melted. Did she buy the house with this bath mat? No. She's had the house for 20 years and they put it and she put the bath mat there herself. And she said her husband just put it in there so they wouldn't fall because they're elderly people. And it, it's been like that for two years, she said. Well, I guess she would know herself if it was glued in place. I don't necessarily have a good solution for you here. I mean, generally, if I find something that's adhered and needs to be loosened up, I'll use a product like WD-40, but I'm, I'm afraid to tell you to use that in the bathtub because I don't want them to slip. But that tends to break any adhesive bond that uh, that is uh, resulting, but it's also a lubricant. So, I mean, you could try very, very carefully under one corner of it, see if it loosens up, but you've got to rinse it thoroughly and scrub it thoroughly because otherwise you'll leave a very slick surface there. I guess the other thing that you could try would be an adhesive, a citrus-based um, adhesive remover. There are orange-based products, citrus-based products that can, are used to remove adhesive, but I have a hard time believing that this was an adhesive that actually glued itself to it. And I don't think it melted. I think there was some sort of maybe chemical reaction between the rubber mat and the bathtub that, that caused them to bond. Now, I will warn you that even if you get this up, it's very possible that the uh, surface of the tub could be damaged. And, you know, you may be having something else that you don't like uh, to look at uh, there as a result. And that's what I'm afraid of because I'm, going to be, I'm her house cleaner and I don't want to get blamed for, you know, the tub being messed up either. <laughs> yeah, then I don't think you so. should take I don't think it's your responsibility. You know, I would say okay. you, you tried, but it's stuck in place and leave it at that. I, I agree with you. You don't want to make the situation worse uh, and get them upset and then and, and be potentially responsible for finding a, a solution to an impossible problem. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome, Kimberly. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit and have a great day. High-tech thermostats that know when you're coming home and adjust the temperature to your liking. It's real, you guys. It's not science fiction. We're going to share those details next. The Money 
Fit is presented by Greenworks Tools, the ultimate battery-powered outdoor lawn equipment. No gas, no cords, no maintenance. The hassle-free solution to lawn care. With Greenworks, life gets easier. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, Earth Day weekend is the perfect time to talk about ways to make your home more energy efficient. And that's something the experts at Honeywell have been doing for decades. Now, smart home technology is making many of those products even easier to use, resulting in both convenience and energy savings. With us to talk about that is Ted Booth, and Ted's the design director for Honeywell. That sounds like a fun job. Welcome, Ted. Hi, Tom. It's great to be here. It is a fun job. So connected products are a great way to sort of automate our lifestyle. I mean, you know, they turn lights on or off. I mean, you can have the music uh, pop on when you walk in a room. But now that technology is expanding in some big ways to thermostats, which gives us really unprecedented control over that home environment. So let's start there. You guys have uh, developed a geofencing technology that works with your thermostats. Can you tell us how that works? Sure, absolutely. Geofencing works by using uh, what's called location services on your phone. This is the same thing as when, say, you're using a map application on your phone, Google Maps or Apple Maps, to find your way around. Through our Lyric app, you can set two temperatures. You can set what temperature do you want when you're home, and then what temperature do you want when you're away, and then you just come and go in your daily routine, and your house adjusts accordingly. So you can save while you're away and be comfortable when you're home. So does the system uh, alert us when we're getting sort of close to home? I mean, would it trigger if I was, say, 10 miles away and uh, adjust the temperature so they were perfect when I got there? Yeah, so it essentially works like that. It's a user-adjustable setting. So if you imagine your home on a map, right, like Google Maps right. or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. and you just have a ring around it, and that's an adjustable ring. So you can ah, okay. set it to be a quarter mile, a half mile, 10 miles. You can set it to be at certain intersections, right, where, you know, depending on where you live, um, you know, you want a bigger or smaller radius around your house. Wow, that's super helpful. So, you know, a lot of folks, when they're not home, they like to sort of turn their heating system, comple- well, not so much heat because it's winter, but more more air conditioning systems completely off, or at least drop it down, you know, to a ridiculously ineffective level, thinking they're going to save money. Is it better to kind of set it and forget it with some slight changes in, you know, home and away temperatures, or to try to maximize how warm you might like it to get in the summer or how cold you could stand it in the winter? That's kind of the funny thing about that decision is it's it's a little counterintuitive. If you, you turn your system off, it's actually less efficient because it uses so much more energy to either cool back down on a hot day or warm back up on a cold day. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think for a lot of us, right, it's a little counterintuitive. You think, well, if I turn it off, it's not going to burn gas or electricity, right? Right. But what you, what you mm-hmm. want to do is hold, hold your home within a, a certain range. We at Honeywell really are building our systems around is to sort of have the thermostat constantly paying attention and just keeping you within a range of temperature, which you can adjust. You can set it high or low depending on, you know, your home and your life. And keeping you informed is, is part of what the thermostat does. We're talking about the Honeywell Lyric T5 Wi-Fi thermostat. And this device also has smart alerts, correct? So it's going to help you with things you typically forget, like, for example, when it's time to change a filter? Exactly. When it's time to change a filter to keep your system running smoothly, 
Um, or if there's even been, you know, a high pollen count day or a lot of stuff in the air, right, we can start to really understand how to keep your system running smooth so you avoid any of, you know, unexpected or unpleasant breakdowns. Now, what if my heating system were to, say, go off or fail in some way or my air conditioning system was to completely fail? Uh, would it tell me that? Could it stop me from, for example, in the winter having my pipes freeze when I was on vacation? So one of the things we do is we have high-low temperature alerts. So if you can set, say, at 45 degrees or 40 degrees. If it dips below that, you'll get an alert on your phone. You'll know that your house is getting cold. Wow, that's terrific. Uh, what does this retail for? Do we know yet? The T5 retails for 149 Wow, that's a great price. I mean, you got more choices than ever when it comes to smart home technology. It's great to see that uh, you guys are taking advantage of everything that's possible today and really looking to save us some money and to help us uh, take care of our homes. I presume this will integrate with all of the uh, sort of uh, basic smart home platforms now, like Amazon Echo or Apple HomeKit? Exactly, exactly. Those two in particular, um, also Samsung SmartThings, um, and then we're uh, we're working on an integration with Google Home. Oh, we are really focusing on you know those those uh, primary platforms. Ted Booth, the design director from Honeywell, telling us about the brand new Honeywell Lyric T5 Wi-Fi thermostat. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to yourhome.honeywell.com. Thanks, Ted. Have a great day. Great. Thanks, Sam. All right. Well, that is some cool technology we're learning about today. Hey, you know, few home improvements bring more beauty and value to a home than adding a hardwood floor. We're going to have tips on advances in hardwood flooring that make this product easier to install and more durable, too, presented by Lumber Liquidators next. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is presented by Home Advisor. Find trusted home improvement pros for any project at homeadvisor.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. You are going to get the answer to your home improvement question. Plus, this hour, we're giving away a great prize for the spring and summer season. We've got up for grabs the Dynatrap Mosquito and Insect Trap. I mean, this is great because we all know how annoying all these insects can be as we're enjoying more and more time outside. So what's great about the Dynatrap is it's going to protect up to a half an acre, and it really just uses its own CO2. It's a natural attractant, so there's no additional lures. Nothing else is added. It's completely non-toxic. You can use it indoors and out, and it's going to keep you guys mosquito and pest-free. It's available at Bed Bath & Beyond, and you can check out their website at Dynatrap.com. It's prize worth 129 bucks. so give us a call with your question now. 888-666-3974. Ian in North Carolina is on the line and wants to build a recording studio. We might be able to help with that. <laughs> well, I am, uh, it's kind of a bucket list project. Um, I uh, was given my grandmother's old house and um, they built on an extension of the house and I'm trying to convert it into just that, a, a semi-professional recording studio. And um, I've done a little research on this acoustic foam stuff, but it's ridiculously expensive. And I'm trying to figure out a, a, a different method to basically achieve the same effect. First of all, if you want to soundproof a, a room in a residential home, you have to use materials that are specifically designed to do that. Probably the least expensive way to do it is with a material called sound proof drywall or sound resistant drywall. There's a couple of different brands that sell this product, but essentially what you would do is you would put a second layer of drywall 
over the existing layer. And this new drywall has like sound resistant capabilities to it or qualities to it. So it absorbs uh, the sound and, and keeps it nice and quiet where the rubber meets the road with this is at the penetrations to the wall. So if there's a light, an outlet, or a switch, there are some very specific steps you have to take in those areas to soundproof them. And there's like a, like a putty that has to be installed around it. it you know, it's, it's quite involved. But that's the least expensive way to probably to do this. You know, generally when you have sound-resistant construction, you have kind of a wall inside of a wall so that the two walls are not touching each other. Like floating. Yeah, kind of like floating, like a non-bearing wall. Right, right, okay. But, you know, you could do that to the walls and the ceilings, but then what do you do about the floor? Right, okay. So, you know, take a look at, at soundproof drywall and and see if that kind of gets you closer to where you want to go on this, okay? That sounds great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, it used to be that unless hardwood was installed when a home was built, it was darn near impossible to add it after the fact. But today, you've got the availability of very durable, pre-finished hardwood floors, and that's kind of made that project really doable and something that offers a lot of value to home. And, you know, that's why you almost always see real estate agents listing. They're always calling out the hardwood floors in their listing and advertisements because it means real value. Well, and it's really pretty and it's easy to decorate around. Now, another benefit of hardwood flooring is that it's not a dust trap like your carpeting might be. So it really is a better choice for any allergy sufferers out there. They're also easier to maintain and they're going to last a lot longer than carpeting will. And if you think about it, they're really one of the longest lasting floors because you can sand and refinish that flooring multiple times, really depending on the thickness of the floor itself. That's your only turn. Now, when it comes to installation, solid hardwood flooring can be installed on or above grade level, but they're not recommended for below grade spaces like basements. For those areas, there's a special kind of hardwood floor called engineered hardwood. It's made to really stand up to moisture levels that are common when you get down sort of below the finished first floor. Finally, you want to keep in mind that solid hardwood, it really needs to fully acclimate prior to installation. So it basically means you should park it in the room. It's going to be installed in for a few days before you plan and actually do the installation, let it expand, let it contract, let it get used to that environment. And this way, when you put it in, you're not going to get that sort of size change. You won't get those boards that will move much for that first uh, you know, few months that are in there because it'll already have sort of settled in to the level of humidity and heat and so on that's in that space. And that's today's flooring tip presented by Lumber Liquidators. Choose from more than 100 top quality pre-finished three-quarter inch solid hardwood floors, including Bellawood pre-finished hardwood backed by a transferable 100-year warranty warranty. Plus, get expert flooring help at every local store. For locations, call 1-800-HARDWOOD or visit LumberLiquidators.com. Lumber Liquidators, hardwood floors for less. Sherilyn in Delaware is on the line with a leaky pipe in a pool. What's going on? Yes, we have a steel pool um, built right after World War II. They had a lot of excess steel and they found a lot of pools to build. <laughs> and we have, it's somewhere in the pipe, um, we have a leak. And we're not sure exactly what the material of the pipe is. Is that we think it might be black. This is the pipe that does what? This is the pipe that fills the pool. This is a drain line. What what kind of pipe we're we talking about? A pipe that either goes to the pool from the pump, you know, returns back to the pool from the pump, or leaves the pump pool to go to the pump. I don't have a good solution for you for repairing an active pipe like that, short of replacing it. Generally speaking, when you have underground lines like that, that, that rupture, it's not a matter of repairing it. It's a, it's a matter of replacing it. 
And it may be that you can leave the other pipe in place and, and just basically disable it and then install a new line to do the same thing that the old line was doing. But repairing it is not an option. Right, right. Unless you can get access to it by basically digging down and exposing it. But it's usually easier to, to run a new line. Teresa in Tennessee is on the line with a decking question. How can we help you? We just uh, finished redecking our uh, deck outside and uh, with treated lumber. And we were going to stain it, so I was very happy, you know, going and trying to pick out my color. And I was told that we're supposed to wait about a year to stain it. Is that true? It's brand new pressure-treated lumber? Yes, it is. Yes, so there's a formulation that they use to create the lumber to be more weather-resistant, which is basically saturating that wood with whatever that mixture is that makes that wood durable. So in doing so, you're dealing with, you know, some very green, very wet wood. So if you were to apply a stain at this point, it would kind of just float on the top and not really saturate into the wood. And you'd end up with like a, a strange finished product. And it also would not last at all. So what they recommend oh. for pressure treated is a season, six months. It's got to be dry. It's got to dry out. And once it does dry, then you're able to apply the finish and it will saturate whatever the stain is, saturate into the grain of the lumber itself and therefore stay for a much longer period of time. Oh, okay then. And the type of woods will depend on what that aging time is. Oh, okay. So six months, not a year. Right. It's generally a season time, right? Yeah. I mean... It is. It is going to end up being a year, but I would just. I would if it's brand new now. I would go through a full summer with it, and then you know when next spring comes around, you can think about applying some solid color stain then. Okay. Well, thank you all very much for answering my question. All right. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Hey, are you getting ready to dig in for some home improvement projects this Earth Day weekend? Well, before you use a shovel to dig anything, there's one very important call you need to make. We're going to share that tip next. You live in a body pit. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us 24-7 to 888 Money Pit, but just as important, you can post your question now in the very colorful, brand new Money Pit community. It's live at moneypit.com. We are so psyched. It's just launched just a couple of weeks out there now. Already getting lots and lots of great questions with photos and, you know, just super questions about details that people just don't ask us about on the radio show. We're able to answer them, give you links, and uh, you should check it out because it's a great place to go for info on your house. That is exactly what Maria did. Yeah. Now, Maria's question it is very, very similar to something that happened to me a little while back. Maria writes, I heard a noise outside my house, looked through the door, and there were two squirrels in my screen and patio. And they weren't just hanging out. They were trying to find a way outside, let's just say, making a huge mess in the process. Tom, I kid you not, this happened to me like two years ago during a blizzard. And truly, there was a squirrel hanging yep. on the screen to my kitchen window, which looks out into the screen and oh, porch. Man. And I, too, 
was looking outside <laughs> thinking, how the heck do I get them out of there without me physically going in there myself? And you don't want to take any chance of opening the door because the squirrel no, can jump in right into your house. And oh my, they can do a lot of damage. <laughs> you usually can keep those little critters out, like, you know, squirrels and rabbits and groundhogs and, and those types of and nesting animals out with barricades that they can't move or get over, like decorative fences and walls work well. So decorative ways of closing up those animal tunnels are effective. Deer, however, can be a bigger problem, but your local extension service or university can tell you which native plants are most deer resistant. We get the deer destruction here at my house, and I get what I call the lollipop trees because they eat the they eat everything from about four feet down, and everything else on top is in full bloom. Looks like a lollipop. Oh, they eat everything, <laughs> Maria. I hear you. Just get them out of the porch, clean everything that you can, and then be sure to seal and fill any holes or openings or tears in the screens. And hopefully, they never come back. Well, April is National Safe Digging Month and a good time to remind motivated do-it-yourselfers to call 811 before picking up a shovel. Leslie explains why in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, I feel like 811 is something that a lot of homeowners are still sort of learning about, which is really a surprise because 811, it's a federally mandated phone number, and it's been designed by the FCC to consolidate all of those local call-before-you-dig numbers. Now, keep in mind, guys, there's millions of miles of buried utilities beneath the surface of our Earth, and these are vital to everyday living. It's like your water, electricity, even your natural gases. And 811 is going to help homeowners and professionals avoid damaging these vital utilities. Now, the call and the service are both free. You just have to make the call a few days before you plan on doing the digging. Tell the operator where you're planning to dig. Your local utility companies will be notified about your intent to dig, and they're going to send text to your site and mark the location of any buried lines with flags or paint, and it is all at no cost to you. Keep in mind, though, guys, if you don't call them and you do some digging and you hit something, whatever damage that you may cause is of cost to you. So it pays to make that free call to 811. Really, guys, whether you are planning a new addition or just installing a fence post, make sure you call before you dig and keep everybody safe. Good advice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Well, this has probably happened to you at least once or twice. You're standing in your shower, you're enjoying the warm water when all of a sudden, yikes! the water turns freezing cold or scalding hot. We call that shower shock, and we're going to tackle that topic and deliver solutions on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.